Welcome to the Highland Gospel Mission, a podcast to all nations. Each week, Pastor Keith will deliver a Holy Spirit-inspired message from Highland Southern Baptist Church to the rest of the world. If you have a Bible, we encourage you to read along and study the Word for deeper understanding. Now, here's Pastor Keith with this week's message. If you would, go ahead and get your Bibles, open them up to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. I'm hoping we'll be able to spill over into 5. We'll see how, how it goes today. Um, I'm going to have to read Ephesians chapter 4, though, and we're going to read through the first 16 verses, take a look at kind of some context and how that fits into the therefore that's the beginning of this particular chapter. Um, Unity of the Spirit, I've preached several messages on before, and even though it is probably the core theme of the message um this message is more about over the next couple of chapters or i should say the chapter and a half um after these first 16 verses is more um common sense advice on how to maintain unity of the spirit uh between believers not even necessarily in in churches but between believers and looking specifically at how we are commanded within this passage of scripture to conduct ourselves and how and how us conducting ourselves in that manner actually produces the atmosphere that God can actually use to show himself to individuals inside a church body as well as individuals outside of that church body. So um, when he starts off in Ephesians chapter 4 with the word therefore, um, you'll notice that in the previous chapter, the beginning of it, he actually says, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for the sake of you Gentiles... So when we get into this therefore, the Apostle Paul talks in chapter 3 about one, him being a prisoner, two, how, it got, how he got there, three, what he was basically what he was representing or who he was representing in order to get himself there and why it was that he was willing to go through what he was willing to go through in order to get the word to the Gentiles. So when he says therefore, and he actually, this statement that follows it, he says, um, um, I'm sorry, Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Before we go any further, when he says, therefore, I implore you, he's, he's saying, he's saying, I implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. And him being the example of that, how far was Paul willing to, to take that? To prison. All the way to death, eventually. But right now, he's, he's at least shown that he's, he was willing in order for the, whose sake? He said it in the first part of chapter 3. For whose sake? For the sake of you Gentiles. So he's showing himself as an example and saying, for the sake of you Gentiles, I have brought a message to you, and that message has even imprisoned me. How far was the Apostle Paul willing to go to provide accuracy in doctrine and expectation in it following through application because let's face it what's what is the benefit of scripture without application none that's what a gnostic does that's someone who says um, that my value increases with my ability to obtain and retain information when in Christianity we know where our strength comes from, and it is not from our ability to obtain or retain information. Our strength comes through Christ and Christ alone. So when he says, 
I, uh, the prisoner of the Lord implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called with all humility and gentleness with patience showing tolerance for one another in love we're going to take this a little bit slow in uh in this particular part of the the passage but i want to i want you to catch the big picture because i don't want to spend much time here therefore i the prisoner of the lord implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which with you with which you have been called with all humility and gentleness with patience showing tolerance one for one another in love the attitude that he's presenting in the beginning of chapter four is the attitude that will continue to encourage spiritual unity within the church some of the biggest some of the biggest mistakes that we make as believers is we just aren't very tolerant now what is tolerance is the question what should we tolerate what should we not tolerate we should never tolerate willful sin do you hear me we should never tolerate willful sin if somebody in their heart of hearts they love to go to the strip clubs and they'd go do that every weekend because they love to do it there's a problem we draw the line in those places but there is a difference between a person willfully sinning and an individual who has trusted in christ who is trying to figure this life out we all make mistakes but the more mature as believers the more mature believers that we become the less mistakes that we should make am i right because that's the definition of maturity right so the unity of the spirit a lot of times how do i put this a lot of times individuals who are mature individuals in christ they create an atmosphere that does not fertilize the soil for growth in christ without unity of the spirit we don't have oneness in mission Without unity of spirit, we don't even have oneness in purpose. The unity of spirit is provided through patience and through tolerance and through gentleness. It's not, it's not provided through strictness and legalism. It's not provided through those things. Those things create chaos in individuals' lives and make it much more difficult for them to actually understand and enjoy even what the, what the Christian life is all about. So he make, he's making this point to lean into. We're going to jump down to 17. He says, So this I say and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind. What is futility? What does it mean if something is futile? It's pretend. It's honestly pretend. Have you ever seen people live like they won't die? every day right but the reality is you live like you, you live like you won't die you usually die quicker right we are individuals who have to be people who are able to live within boundaries that god sets for us and not that other parameters that other individuals set for us and we know where those weaknesses are we know where satan's able to come in and work us every one of us have those buttons we have those ends and every one of us allow him to manipulate them maybe some more often than others but every one of us at some point we allow him to manipulate us so that those boundaries are not the boundaries that god has always set 
no longer walk just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind. In other words, will you ever earn enough to take care of yourself? Who, who provides for you? Is it you, your 40-hour week? Or is God the one who provides for you? When you ask a blessing over a meal, do you thank him for his provision? Because the truth is, he's the one that gave us all of it. Right? So, if I was to say that I'm going to do everything I can to earn as much money as I can, whatever, however much money it takes to make me happy, it's futile. In other words, it will never meet its intended purpose. Because every one of us have something missing in us. And that something that's missing in us really only fits one thing. And people spend their entire lifetimes trying to shove that void full of other things. Sex, drugs, alcohol, church. When the truth is the only thing that fits that void is God. It's the only satisfaction there is. So when individuals live life to pretend that they're happy, it's futile. Because the truth is, you can, you can ask anybody in their world whether they're happy or not, and they may say, well, they seem happy to me. But if someone's apart from God, is it possible for them to really be happy? A relationship that they were created to be involved in through a person's choice never developed and I've been on this kick for a couple of months do we realize just how much our action or inaction impacts the world that we walk through do you know how much good God does with a good thing that you do in his name? And do you know how much you can manipulate the bad things in life just by the promises that he's made us? Because what's the purpose? Why does he want me to walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk? Because he doesn't want me to have a futile mind. He wants me to have a mind that is realistic, reasonable in faith, and purposeful. And not my purpose, and not my reasonability, but his purpose and his reasonability. Because the truth is, if God wants you taken care of as one of his children, I can't do that without him telling me what that means. And as much as I may want to care for you, our desire to care for each other as family members works the exact same way. In other words, the Apostle Paul said it this way before. He says, I don't punch without aim. When he talked about contending earnestly for the faith, when he talked to Timothy about it, he doesn't run around beating the air what good does that do? You got to land a punch to the chin. You got to land a punch to the nose. You don't run around swinging, hoping you you contact something. 
And it seems that that's the way that the Christian life in this country tends to be leaning. Just keep punching. It don't matter if you hit anything or not. Just keep punching. That's the religious side of it, right? Just keep punching. It's not a matter of just keep punching. God wants me to know that everything that I say and do has the ability to impact a person's life for Christ. And I'm not supposed to walk around like a Gentile following after things that are never going to be fulfilling or satisfying to me as an individual. He's called us to be contrary to that. To be individuals who walk with purpose, who punch with purpose, who have a target in mind. That means when I wake up on Sunday morning, when I get to see most of you, occasionally I get the joy of seeing you throughout the week, but most of the time it's on Sunday. When you wake up in the morning on Sunday, is the first thing that runs through your mind? I wonder who I can encourage at church today. I wonder who may have blew it. That I can make feel not justified in their actions, but at least recoverable in their spirit because you see being gentle and patient and tolerant as long as people are moving in the direction that God wants them to move am I supposed to be the one that picks the pace it's God otherwise we're creating a whole bunch of legalistic people You grow at my rate, it's because I made the list of requirements for you to meet that. And there is no other clearer definition to legalism than that. I have a couple friends who just love to run around and tell everybody about Jesus. Sounds cool, don't it? But the Bible says don't throw your pearls before swine. So was the gospel intended to be thrown out in public just at everybody? That could have a negative impact. God doesn't want you like a shotgun either out there doing stuff like that. He wants it targeted. There are going to be specific circumstances you're going to see you're going to see God working in and you're going to have the spirit that's going to melt your heart and he's going to want you to interact in that specific situation. Be obedient in that. Don't think you're being obedient just by running around screaming the gospel out loud to an, to a, to to an open world. Cuz for some people who may have made their way to Christ What happens when somebody goes out there and acts like a nut, telling people that they're going to hell without any context of conversation in life? There is is a big difference between being religiously dogmatic and being Christ-like loving. Huge difference. You see, when, when we have the ability to be able to look celebrate recovery I mean I got excited when I first looking at this thing because I'm thinking this thing's not it's not a 12 step program for Alcoholics Anonymous not a 12 step program for drug abuse it's a it's a, a it's a guide that leads people through a spiritual process of restoration and it doesn't matter whether that's gambling addiction alcoholism drug abuse it may even may even be emotional difficulties anger management there could be all kinds of things that people 
do you know how much people hurt about the specific things? And when I say, hey, how many of you have unspoken prayer requests? How many hands go up in the church usually? A lot. And I guarantee you that if people were willing to stand up and speak what those unspoken prayer requests were, there would be a broad range of prayer requests. A broad range. Because the fallen nature of man, Satan and his minions, they make it hard on all of us. But they tend to make it hard on us in different ways. So unless we're willing to be individuals who are targeted and purposeful in what it is that God's trying to accomplish, not maintaining this idea of super spirituality in the world that we live in today, but the reality of it, the fact that you're going to leave church and you're going to step out into the world and hell is out there waiting for you. That's reality. And when you come into a church on Sunday morning, you can feel strong and, and your battery's charged and hopefully we can encourage you so that you're in the best possible shape that you can be in before you go out there. But when you go out there, guess what's out there? Reality question is what's reality is that your reality or is this your reality is your reality what you make it outside of here or is your reality what god has made it in your own heart and in your own life eighteen says being darkened in their understanding excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the hardness of their heart being darkened in their understanding in other words what happens when you get farther and farther away from God do you become more and more righteous yeah the light gets dimmer excluded from the life of God and here's the sad part. Because of the ignorance that is in them. The word ignorance, it's close to the same word we use in English right now. From excluded from the life of God because of the willful ignorance that is in them. I mean, ignorance is to not know, right? So how many of us are born ignorant? All of us. And how many of us still have ignorant moments in life that we, as they stack up, we become more and more knowledgeable about things? So when somebody uses the word ignorant, they're not necessarily using the word as a bad word. The word literally means something, okay? It means to not know. Because they don't know. Excluded from the life of God because they do not know. They don't know what? They don't know what it's like to be led by the Spirit. They don't know what it's like to actually live for someone else. They don't know what it's like to desire to live for someone else. They're excluded from the life of God because they never get the payout. Now, hold on. 
Yeah, we all get the payout when we die and go to heaven, right? But you all know what I mean when I'm saying the payout. You ever done anything that God asked you to do and received the blessing that he handed to you as a result? That's the life it's talking about. It's talking about the life, the life that drives you to be something even when you are absolutely certain that there's nothing. Paul's complaint over the whole thorn in the flesh thing. He appealed to God three times, deliver him from this thorn in his flesh, and God continued to say, my grace is sufficient for you. So he says that he no longer he no longer glories in his goodness. He glories in his weakness because he knows that when he's weak, God is strong. You look today at the the ones making the most noise in the church right now. They're legalistic. They're faith teachers. You just got to have a positive attitude. Everything will be fine. You just got to know that you're important to God and he's going to take care of you. Fallen world's not going to get to you. It's a bunch of poppycock. Baloney. But that's what they want you to hear. The church... you ever listen to the you ever watch the dark history of the church there's a dark history to the church dark dark history it's amazing and miraculous and only by god's hand if you know all of the history from the time that jesus christ was crucified all the way to the point of church that we have now for there to be any semblance of a church like we have now after the dark ages is an absolute miracle an absolute miracle you ever sit down and read about the crusades you think everything they did they did in the name of god if they did they did it in ignorance because they did a lot of things god would not have approved just because it's the church doesn't mean it's right how does the church become right it's not by the church being an authoritative structure that has the ability to write all of its rules down and force people to follow them a church is only right when the individual members within its body are right with god that's the only way that it happens because anytime any part of the body comes into this church and is wounded does it affect the body it does so we do the best we can to try to protect it to prevent it from getting hurt if it gets hurt we put the attention towards it that it needs to make sure that it's healed this is elements of human beings these are people they make mistakes they fail and our responsibility doesn't change if it is at all possible restore them restore them never have I seen anywhere in scripture aside from a command from God 
a person's right to destroy another human being. He's not asked us to do it. Nineteen says, and they having become callous has given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. It seems fair, right? Speak truth to one another. What's the truth? It's not the lie. The truth is not the lie. Have a problem with somebody in the church? Uncomfortable? Don't want to talk to them about it? I know there are people who left here uncomfortable with somebody, maybe me, I don't know, because they didn't talk to me about it. Speak truth to one another. If you hurt my feelings, should I tell you you hurt my feelings? It's the truth. If I'm mad at you, should I tell you I'm mad at you? If it's the truth. Why? He gives us a little bit more information as we go down farther. Verse 26. Be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not give the devil an opportunity. There it is. Do not give the devil an opportunity you see anytime that I may have an issue with somebody and I leave that hang out there it's usable Satan can use it in my life he can use it in somebody else's life and one of the, the most important things for us to do and I can tell you one of the most difficult things for me to do in some cases is to love people in spite of who they are Because if anything's hanging out there, it provides the devil an opportunity. So take his opportunities away. I hurt your feelings? Tell me I hurt your feelings. Do you believe that I would intentionally hurt your feelings? I mean, most of you know me well enough to know. Would I intentionally hurt your feelings? Then give me a chance to apologize for it and let's move on. Then it's no longer an opportunity. It's been removed from the quiver of all of Satan's arrows. It's done. And then we'll end with this next verse. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. 
Do you believe that if you are God's child, the Spirit lives in you because you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, do you believe that you can hurt without God hurting too? Because let's look at just scriptural evidences. Does God have emotion? We know that Jesus wept. We also know that, and I say that I know this, what do you think Jesus did when he seen kids? You think he ever smiled? Kicked a rock around in the road when he was walking by? Played with them a little bit as they went by? He can also be heartbroken. Why is he grieving? Because we're just insubordinate people who can never seem to get it right it's because God doesn't want to see me or you hurt and there's only one thing that's worse than me or you hurting and that's one of us hurting the other he doesn't want to ever get to that to be people who always have the capabilities of disarming something to even go back even in your past and in your heart and your mind, maybe not even physically to a person, but your ability to be able to deal with things. Because every one of the things that we allow ourselves to get off track with, those things affect who we are as a person every minute of every day. Who does God want us to be? He wants us to be people who proclaim his truth, but he wants us to be people who do it targeted with purpose. Why we do CR? Why we do Team Kid? Why we do Sunday School? Why do we do? Why do we do what we do? Because God's looking to do something huge through us, through this church, through this location, through every person that's in here. And the only way that that, that happens is for us to make sure that we don't get ahead of Him, we don't fall behind Him. We have the humility to understand who we are and know what our place is. But we also have the understanding of the power that he's provided and what it is that he's trying to accomplish in the world we live in. The world's not going to get any better. It's going to keep getting worse. And when I say that, I don't say that as an old oh, bummer. Look how bad that's going to be for me. When I look around and I see people hurting and I see individuals, even friends of mine on Facebook who are posting that their rents are doubling and they can't afford to live in the apartment that they've rented for the last 20 or 25 years and hardships are coming and as the world gets worse and worse hardships are going to multiply and people are going to need more and more individuals who are ready with this mindset of being able to show them who Jesus is when the opportunity presents itself because I can promise you this I really believe this with all of my heart the closer we get to Jesus coming back the closer we get to this whole thing falling apart the more and more opportunities we'll have because people will become more and more hopeless they would become more and more stressed and more and more disappointed and more and more depressed. I found Jesus in my depression. 
And a lot of people have found Jesus in the midst of their troubles. And that's exactly who he wants us to be, is people who are showing Jesus in the midst of their troubles. Do it in life. Do it in ministry. That's our purpose. If you're here today, you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. But you want to. Not because I asked you to or because somebody else is pushing you to, but because you do feel that the Lord is leading you to do so. I'll take whatever time is necessary to make sure that you understand, answer any questions that I may be able to answer for you. But if you're here today and you're a believer, I believe wholeheartedly that every one of us go through the seasons in life where we are in our ups and we're in our downs and we're facing the struggles and the difficulties and we, in, in, in our strength, we, we tend to go a little legalistic and in our weakness, we tend to go full grace. And it's necessary for us to center ourselves once in a while, make sure that we are focused on what God wants us focused on and that we are providing the purpose that he has set before us. So just do your part. Just listen to him and do nothing less or nothing more than he himself may ask. Amen. Thank you, Brother Keith. And for those listening on the podcast, I want to offer that same opportunity to you to come to the Lord. If you've never placed your trust in Jesus, now is the time to do so. By default, we are all sinners, separated from God, and there is nothing we can do on our own to fix that. That's why God sends His only Son, Jesus, to come live a life without sin. He was put to death on a cross as a perfect sacrifice for that sin. And to seal the deal, He came back from the dead three days later. If you truly believe that and ask Him into your heart, you will be saved. If you're already a believer, This is a great opportunity to recenter your life in Christ. Take these next few minutes in prayer, and I'll be praying for you as well.
Thanks again for listening. If you have questions about becoming a Christian, discipleship, or if you have prayer requests, you can visit us at facebook.com forward slash Highland Southern BC. Have a blessed week and go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Highland Gospel Mission was produced by Zach Link with preaching by Keith Perrin. Music provided by Pixabay under Creative Commons.